And hello, we'd like to welcome you to the Ghostology podcast. My name is Scott Bryant, and I'm here with my two co-hosts today. I am Cheyenne Ashman. And I am Kevin Bowerman. And we're excited to talk to you today about some of our past paranormal investigations. Uh, we are members of the Southeast Idaho Paranormal Organization that was founded back in 2007. And our group has done investigations all over the state of Idaho and also surrounding states such as Wyoming, Montana, and Utah. Now, since 2007, we have done all kinds of investigations, but our group really specializes in historical locations. So today, we are going to talk about an investigation that we did in September of 2016. The Southeast Idaho Paranormal Organization, we've always been involved with our local community. And the Museum of Idaho sponsors an annual haunted history tour. They were kind enough to work with some of our downtown leaders, our old town leaders, and we were able to secure an investigation at what was called the Shane Building. The Shane Building is found in the historic Idaho Falls downtown and was constructed around 1915. The building itself is known for its terracotta decoration on its exterior. Inside, the Shane still maintains a plush and commons area with red carpet, a large antique skylight above the second floor, and it's just a really great and beautiful building. And so for this episode of this podcast, we are now going to talk about some of the things that we encountered and discovered that night during our investigation. Is anyone there? We want to make contact with you. We want to share your story. We're going to seek the truth no matter where we find it. Everyone's got a ghost story. I'd like to tell you mine. And the look on his face was a look of shock. The first thing I did was go over to him and say, are you okay? I want you to breathe. Welcome to Ghostology. As I said before, my name is Scott Bryan, and I'm here with Cheyenne and Kevin for this episode of the Ghostology Podcast, and we are talking about our investigation from 2016 at the Shane Building. So it's very important for our group that we bring some scientific methods into our investigations. Now, one of the things we do, we always begin with, is we have equipment that we use. We have cameras, we have audio, we have a lot of different things that can record the ambient environment. Kevin is our tech manager, and he takes a lot of time to kind of look at where we should place things. Yes, I'm kind of meticulous on that because I want to make sure where we place audio recorders and cameras, they're not by anything that can cause any kind of interference, whether that be in the field of view of the camera or whether that be background noise on an audio recorder. Because, of course, if you have that, it's going to affect what you may or may not find. And I do remember there was a few rooms in this building that you and I both had to go into and figure out how we were putting the cameras in because there was so much stuff, especially in that one room where they had all the tools. Right. I, I remember that. It was a so. room where a handyman worked and was just all over all over the place. Yeah, so the setup on this building actually took a little bit longer than some of our others because it is a building that is being used. Uh, 
There are offices on the main floor that are in use Monday through Friday, a lot of which we could not go into because they were lawyers' offices. And of course, for privacy reasons, those doors were locked and we were not allowed to go in them. But like the downstairs basement, there was a lot of storage and everything. So trying to find the best way to set up, especially our DVR cameras, was a little challenging in this building, but we we got it done. I think it took us probably close to three hours to do setup. Right. Now, the Shane building itself is very interesting. And like a lot of buildings from that early 1900 period, it actually was two buildings that were combined together. Actually, there were stairs that led down to the basement where there were, you know, different businesses. And in fact... At one point in time, weren't those stairs basically an alleyway between the buildings? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it was. And in fact, the museum independently had a psychic come through and walk through the building. And one of the things she really picked up on was that on the stairs that were now in the middle of the building, but at one time were stairs that were in that alleyway going downstairs. She said she felt the presence of a young woman. And her exact age, that could be anywhere from 14 up to early 20s. But she said she felt this spirit of this woman that would walk up and down the stairs and she was going to work. So she was trying to get to a business that was in the basement. Now, of course, now that's all covered. It's all part of the building. And so unless you knew the history of the building, you would think it was just some stairs down into the basement. And in that basement, there was actually an old boiler room that was really quite creepy. Yeah. So As my daughter Cheyenne will attest to, I am the person that really doesn't have any fear on any of these investigations, no matter what kind of stories I hear, no matter what, you know, people sometimes say we hear that, oh man, you go down in this basement, stuff's going to get thrown at you. It doesn't phase me. I go down and do stuff and whatever. But let me tell you, in this downstairs room in the basement where this old boiler was, to me, it looked like the top half of it had been blown off by a stick of dynamite. I mean, it was in shambles. So it was nowhere near working. And that was the only investigation I can think of that Scott and I have been on in over seven years that I was a little creeped out being in that room. Yeah, that room was kind of perilous to walk through, too, because it had that kind of drop. So if you misstepped, you would on the floor. Yeah, because the boiler was lower than the doorway when you came in. Right. So it's almost like it was sitting in a swimming pool. And the Mm -hmm. crazy thing about it is that the owners, to this day, there's still like water when it rains. There's water that seeps in through the, I I guess, foundation, and it'll fill up that, that huge basin with water. And so I remember going there for our walkthrough of the building, and there was actually water down there. I remember that because I was with you on that walkthrough. Yeah, and I too, I, I just remember, it was kind of like you, where I, I don't really get creeped out, uh, but they gave us the keys, and I just remember walking around that building and having to put the key into that door and open it and just thinking, oh, man, there is going to be someone on the other side of this door. <laughs> I just, I, I don't remember that, but, you know, yeah, whatever. I, didn't tell any, I, don't, so. I, I don't tell everyone everything because I'm supposed to be the leader, and I don't want you guys to know when I'm getting freaked out. 
So once this investigation started, we had, see, it was me, you, Cheyenne. Yeah, I think there was about nine people. I think you're right. So again, as always, we do split up into groups of two or three. I think this time we had groups of three for the most part. I'll be honest. There was a couple things that happened with me. Let's start with the stairway that, as you said, the psychic went down there and she felt there was a young lady. There was at one point in time, I had the K2 meter in my hand and it is the only place in that building that that K2 meter worked for me. And it only happened this one time, but I was on those stairs going up and down and about the middle of the staircase going up to the door where you could go through to the main floor. I started getting hits on it and I was asking questions. And of course, you know, one of the first questions I always ask is, first off, are you a male and wait for an answer? Are you a female and wait for an answer? When I asked if if it was female I was talking to, that K2 meter went off. Now, I know that the psychic had said that she felt it was a young woman going to work. All I know is it was a woman. When I asked about age, You know, I never asked for specific numbers. Are you, I'm I'm like, are you over 15? Are you over 20? Are you over 25? The meter went off when I asked if she was over 20. It did not when she was over 25. So I think it was a lady in her mid-20s. Unlike the psychic, based off my questions, I do not think she was going to work. I think she was homeless and lived in that alley, based off of what the K2 meter said to me. This was about a five-minute span that I was using it in there that it went off, and then it just stopped. After that, the K2 meter, no matter where I was, it never went off anywhere in that building. In fact, I think, besides me, I think the only person that got any action on that K2 meter was Cheyenne. Do you remember that? I, I do. It definitely seemed like whatever or whoever was there wanted to talk to me. Whether it's because I was the youngest, just because I was young and a female right around that person's age. And well, you were how old? I was 16 at the time. Well, I think that's a like a good place to bring in kind of a, a topic here real quick. What we found in paranormal investigations is that activity is associated with people. And what I mean by that is I, I always remember there's a famous skeptic and they would always say there are no hauntings, there are only haunted people. Now, I'm a believer in ghosts, but honestly, I also believe in that statement. And this was a perfect example. In our groups, we try to have not only men and women, but we also try to have different age groups. We try and have uh, teenagers, we try and have older people, and what we really find is that certain people in certain locations will just have a stronger connection to those places. And I think in this case, Cheyenne, you had a connection that no one else had uh, at this location. Right. Um, I'm going to add on to that real quick and say over the years, I think what we have found specifically teenage girls going through puberty, for some reason, paranormal activity seems to follow them. Uh, The other thing is if you have, I don't know how else to say it, but uh, anxiety, depression, you know, some kind of those, that can also kick up paranormal activity I have found. I can agree with that because I do have anxiety and depression and I have found that no matter where I am, I seem to have a lot of very strange occurrences around me, whether it's been at your house, mom's house, friends' houses, or even on investigations, things just happen that I can't explain. At the Shame Building, 
what happened to you? What, what were some of the experiences that you had? I know I had, again, my hair pulled on several occasions and the K2 meter for me would go off everywhere. Every question seemed to get some kind of response, whether it was kind of weaker or stronger, kind of depend. But I just everywhere seemed to just be super active no matter where I was. I know specifically because you and I were together doing part of the investigation. Again, in that basement, in that boiler room, you specifically were getting your hair pulled like, I don't know, it seemed to me because you kept saying it, it was like every couple minutes. Yeah, I remember that. Like, I because I always wear my hair down just because it's colder and I just kept feeling like somebody was tugging on my hair, trying to like get my attention, but also just to like pester. You now, know? I'm going to say something here. Yes, Cheyenne is my daughter. And yes, I am the skeptic here. So when she tells me these things, honestly, we're in the middle of a paranormal investigation. As her father, the first thing that pops into my head is this is in her head. It, this is not something that's happening. She's, she's thinking it's happening. So she's feeling it. However, at that same time, her and I were a good 10 feet apart. We were the only ones in the basement at this time because the other investigators were on other floors. And I jerked. And I said, what was that? You remember that? I do remember and, that. And she asked me what? I said, something just poked me in the side. There was nobody else there. It was just her and I. And as I said, we were 10 feet apart. I don't have those experiences. That is one of the maybe two times that I have physically felt something in the last seven years. Once that happened, then I start thinking to myself, maybe it's not in her head. Maybe it's actually happening. I kind of remember that night, too, and I especially remember at the end of the investigation, uh, we were all following Cheyenne around. Now, we keep on talking about a K2 meter. You don't know what that is. It's, it's kind of like a rectangular box. It's got some lights, and it measures electromagnetic fields, and the stronger the electromagnetic field, uh, it will light up those lights. And what was hilarious, really, it was funny, was we would follow Cheyenne into one of the basement rooms. We would follow her anywhere in that building. And I would have the K2 meter, and I would be asking questions, and nothing and then the moment we would hand that K2 meter over to Cheyenne, she'd start asking questions and it'd just start going off. Yeah. And I remember one time you had it, you were asking questions and nothing was happening. So you handed it to Cheyenne <laughs> and she started asking the exact same questions and it starts going off. And then I would take it from her and it would go dead again and we'd give it back to her and it would go off again. And I know she's over here giggling about it. <laughs> I, I think it definitely relates back to different ages and backgrounds having connections with different spirits. And I think this one just preferred younger females over, not not to be rude, right. but two old men. <laughs> um, yes, I'm old. <laughs> I wish I wasn't, but um, I've always thought of myself well, as young, but now I'm thinking myself as old. Well, Scott, you are <laughs> old, but she's my daughter, so of course she thinks dad's old. But, That's true. you know, whatever. The other thing that happened that night was with me and another investigator. So we had a brand new uh, first-time investigator. Her name was Brittany. Let me interject a thought here. Okay. Okay. Because over the years, we usually, or at least I usually try to have at least one new person, depending on the size of our group. Sometimes it's just been you and I. But if we're going to have people there, I try and get at least one new person each time. 
So one of the things when we have a new person, they are always with Scott to start because, of course, Scott's going to go through and show them the ropes, show them the basics. This is how we do it. This is why we do it. And so, again, we had a new investigator. Yeah, Brittany. And so um, we were in a different part. We were not in the basement. We were actually on the second floor. That's the place that had the beautiful skylight, and it has this wonderful, posh foyer area. I think a lot of lawyers' offices were up there. Some of them were empty, weren't being occupied. And so Brittany and I entered one of these offices, but they were a front room, you know, where the secretary would sit. And then there's a door and it goes into a larger back room that would be the main office. So we went in there and we had a K2 meter, but it was our very oldest one. This one doesn't have lights. It's a digital readout. And so it'll just kind of go up the, you know, shows numbers. I was with her and we were sitting on the floor of this office. There's nothing in there except an old desk. And the meter actually started moving a little bit, but it was like at 0.01, which was the base reading. And then it would jump up to like 0.04. Now, I know as an investigator that that's really nothing. I mean, what we're looking for is a much larger spike. Yeah, as an example, because I've used that one before. Right. I know how sensitive that one is. But for me to count it as an actual hit, it has to at least, that 0.0 has to go away. It has to be like 0.3 or above. Otherwise, in my mind, it's not enough to say something paranormal is right. here. Because there's a lot of, like I said, electronic interference. It can come from your phone. It can come from conduit in the walls. Yeah, you got to be really careful with EMF meters in this sense and, and know how to use them. But anyway, as we were sitting there, you know, it did start moving a little bit, just kind of doinking. That's what I kind of call it. You know, not really strong hits. But Brittany was getting excited. I don't like to be overbearing to people. And I don't like to say, hey, you're the newbie and you don't know what you're talking about. But Brittany started feeling that there was actually a presence in the room with us. And she said it was a definite male and that it was actually on the desk. And don't ask me how she knew that. She just sensed this male presence was on the desk that was in the room. And it was just looking at us. Now, of course, I didn't feel anything. Didn't feel anything. Didn't nothing. But Brittany started getting more and more agitated. And she says, no, I can feel it. There is a male presence and he's getting angry and he wants us to leave. And we start looking at the EMF meter. And honestly, it did start to, you know, go up a little more, still not into the range that I thought it was significant, but it did start to move. Well, Brittany, all of a sudden, just started to scream. And it wasn't like a loud scream, but it was a muffled scream. And then she just grabbed my arm hard. And she said, it's coming after us. Right as she said that, I heard something basically going through the doorway into that first room. I thought at first, I thought it sounded like someone brushing carpet. The cool thing was, is that we had recorders in that room and in the other room. And we had a recorder with us. And what was really incredible is we went back and almost instantly we listened to the recorder that we had. And when she said it passed us, our recorder picked up an audible growl. And it was more like, you know, a cat or something. And, you know, 
I honestly think that that affected her because if you remember, that's the only investigation she's been on with us. She has not wanted to go again. Yeah, that's true. And whether she admits it or not, I think that that affected her to the point that she didn't want to do it again. Yeah, there's definitely things out there that could hurt you if you're alone specifically. And even in a group, sometimes you can still end up getting pretty hurt if you misstep on the on a line. So, Cheyenne, is there anything else you want to add that you remember from this investigation? Uh, yeah. So when we were back down in the boiler room, you were about 10 feet from me on the other side of the room, pretty much. And you felt that jab in your side. And then pretty much right after that, I heard kind of like a brushing, like, sigh, like, <sighs> right in my ear and actually felt the hair on my ear move. And then it was gone. I remember that because I had to ask her like three times what she's talking about. And <laughs> that's what she did. She said it sounded like somebody went, <sighs> Right at her ear. We'd like to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the Ghostology Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Cheyenne. And I'm Kevin. This is the Ghostology Podcast, wherever you find podcasts. And if you've liked what you heard today, please give us a five-star rating and recommend us to your friends. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Ghostology. And I invite you to listen to future episodes. If you've liked what you've heard here and would like more Ghostology, you can always look for my books on Amazon.com, all under the title Ghostology. You can also visit our website at Ghostology.com. Thank you, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.